So the Democrats pass the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Oh boy. Okay, so you don't get rid of inflation by spending more money. Now, why is that? Now, this is for the government, right? This is the way things are going for the government. So when the government spends money, it's either spending tax dollars that have been given to it by all the citizens, or it prints more money. Right? So, now let's kind of think for a moment about what inflation is. Well, what is it that's actually going on whenever inflation becomes a thing, right? When inflation becomes a thing, what that means is going on is that there's more of whatever the thing is uh, that is used, the medium by which things are used uh, to purchase goods. Okay? So... Uh, you can kind of think about this as supply and demand in, in a certain way, right? So on a supply and demand perspective, right, we see whenever there's a whole lot of supply and there's not enough demand, then prices start to decrease, right? Because they want to try to get this stuff sold and they're trying to pick up more interest. You know, this is a part of how you find the, the, the you know, price point and everything that works for a market, whether it's elastic or inelastic and all that kind of good stuff. So the whole idea here is that when demand is really high, but supply is really low, prices will increase, right, for that particular good. Now, that's what we want to happen. That, that, that's what's supposed to happen, right? It's a naturally occurring thing uh, in a economic system uh, and, you know, it's an understanding of the natural economic system, right? When, when mankind's not coming in with some big overarching power lever and trying to fiddle with the stuff, all right, this is the, the natural course of things, and you want that to play out, right? So, and it doesn't matter what you're spending it on, right? The idea is there's no demand for green energy, all right? So, because there's no demand for green energy, uh, they have to spike up interest in it, right? And so there's not an abundant supply of renewable energy either. That's a problem. So the idea is if we spend more money on more renewable energy, right? We increase the supply of renewable energy sources, all right, not energy itself, right? Energy itself is massively abundant. You're, you're not going to affect anything on that. It's the source from which we are getting that. So their thinking is if we spend a lot of money and we increase the amount of renewable energy sources and encourage people to use things that use up energy without creating an exhaust, uh, that that's gonna spur on the economy. Well, it's not. The All forms of renewable energy sources have been available for a very, very long time, 
and people just have zero interest in it. It's not an economically sound way of producing energy. You have to use more square footage of space to create less an amount of energy. It's not a full-time sustainable, right? We, we've abused the word sustainability. To be able to sustain the operation of something, to, to have sustainability, means for continuous operation. You're trying to uh, keep the thing operating for the longest period of time possible with the least amount of maintenance or repair uh, or overhaul, right? So green energy sources are not that <laughs> at all, okay? Uh, you are not getting the same amount of energy per square foot of space utilized or whatever's being utilized to create uh, and produce and distribute the energy. So here's the thing, though. If they're going to be buying all that, they, they would have to, by necessity, for it to impact anything positive in our economy, it would have to be spent with cash, all right? And not printed cash. It would have to be spent on cash invested, all right? And then literally purchasing of the assets. That's not what they're trying to do. Instead, since there's no interest in this stuff, uh, except for you know a very refined few of people, they are having to print money. All right, so we're looking at the money supply. They're going to add more money into the money supply, meaning there is a larger amount of the money that is used as a medium of exchange. All right. Now going back to what I was saying before, when you look at supply and demand. If there's not enough demand and there's a whole lot of supply, prices will decrease, right? But here's the thing. That only happens when the medium of exchange used to purchase those goods doesn't change, right? That, that constant that has to be present in order for natural supply and demand to occur, the uh, quantity of medium in the market, its value must remain constant, okay? When you put more money into that system, that money becomes less valuable. If there's more dollars in the market, all right, then that means that $1 is now worth less than it was before because there's so much more of it, all right? And the idea is the demand for dollars, right, is that everybody wants enough dollars to uh, be able to do with as they need to be done, all right? And then the way that they earn those dollars uh, is by going and working. Well, whenever a company or a person hires another person, they only wanna spend the minimum amount of money that they can in order to get the service that they are looking to receive. And they may throw in a little bit of extra because it's a human being relationship. Right. And so a person is giving cash to show appreciation for the service another person has provided to them, whether that be a product or an actual service. And so when you increase uh, amongst all the people and, and what they know, the amount of dollars that are out there. All right. You're decreasing the value of each individual dollar. So you're affecting that supply and demand balance because the medium of exchange is the thing that's changing as opposed to the interest in the thing or the amount of it available. So when you add in that extra measure, you make it difficult for people to gauge 
where the pricing of something is at. You make it hard to determine what is the good price. What is the, the price point that works for a particular product or a particular service? And that screws up the system. And it takes. And that's the other side of, of inflation is it makes the market confused. It makes it unstable and unpredictable. And so whenever we're constantly creating these, these bills that are nothing more than an ex a excuse to print more money and instead of you know just supplying that to um, you know to banks and to account for an increase in the amount of cash in people's accounts right because we do a lot of digital exchange now right you pay for things online you have a credit card and all that well that money that you know it's just numbers changing on ledgers between two entities right when that money goes from point A to point B, your bank, you want to be able to go to that bank and withdraw that money at some point or use it at some point, right? So at some point, that, that accounting ledger needs to represent actual cash such that a person can go in and claim that, right? So whether it's a, uh, you know, I've gone and purchased something and so I've given a, a receipt um, uh, that permits the company that I just bought from to go to the bank and say, hey, uh, you know, Will has bought something from me, so you need to give me the cash that's in his account, and here's the amount that he's giving me, and then they make that transfer. At some point, real money has to be in that, such that the company can go into the bank and draw that cash out and go buy assets with it or go pay its employees or whatever the case may be, right? So there are times where printing money is necessary, and that's when there's natural growth of not the economy, but natural growth of the wealth of individuals, right? And so the economy is not a measure of the wealth of individuals. The economy is supposed to be, I should say supposed to be, uh, the economy is the interactions of human beings in the course of exchanging goods and services, right? Meeting each other's needs and using cash to do so. And the economy is, is the analysis of and understanding of uh, the state that, that that relationship and that interactivity is, right? But it's not about the wealth. So the only way that wealth is created is by individuals going out and serving their fellow men, all right? They're meeting the needs of others. And it's typically in that person's labor where money is actually created, all right? You've created value. And so when you go out there, I mean, you have to think about it. The one thing that's really intangible, even though you're doing something tangible, is your labor. And that's why labor is the highest cost that companies have to pay. Because it's something that you're paying a person to give their time and their skills to you to do something uh, that meets the needs of others. And a company provides the assets, the tools uh, the, the raw resources and the ideas, and then the internal infrastructure that permits my skills, if I'm working for someone, to then be brought to the market uh, and, and provided to those clients and, and everything that everybody's doing. And so when I do that, the price that's being paid for the good that's being put out there is we're saying, hey, here's how much it costs. In that cost, I have to pay my employees. I have to cover all of our extenuating expenses, you know, whether it be the purchase of raw materials, new tools, new tooling, paying for our utilities, all that good stuff. 
And then there's a little bit of profit for me at the end of that for the owners of the company who've put their money in and need to generate a return, right? So with that being the case, um, money can be put into the system when individual accounts have increased on average. You know, when you look at daily accounts, everybody's spending money and everybody's making money, right? So as you look at all of the accounts, you need to see have all of the accounts risen. Is wealth increasing across uh, the nation? And if it is increasing, okay, well, then we need to produce enough cash, all right? We need to print out the cash so that all the banks uh, that have all the accounting done, right, the numbers on ledgers, uh, can have enough money to meet the needs of their clients, of, of all the people's accounts, uh, such that whenever anybody wants to come in and get cash, they can actually provide that cash. So that's that's that money supply uh, factor that needs to come into play. Now, if accounts aren't rising and you're printing more money and then putting it into the system by purchasing goods and equipment, you're not doing that because accounts have increased, right? So now we have a whole lot of cash that's been flooded out into the markets uh, and it's been given to, right? And that's the even worse part about the government printing and spending money, right? Is that they're printing that money to go and purchase goods with that money. Uh, and you're now putting more money into the system uh, for things that nobody really has any interest in. And so it's just money that's being put out there. And so that's going to be what decreases the value of the dollar, because that dollar is being used to purchase things which otherwise would not have been purchased, would otherwise not have been done in the natural course of human interaction. And so all of that is what impacts this, this understanding of the value of the medium of exchange as opposed to the value of the goods and products and services that are being provided. And the idiocy behind the bill that was uh, passed just yesterday, right? Today is uh, August 8th. The idiocy behind it is that they are trying to, the, they started originally with saying that this is a, uh, a bill to combat inflation, right? It's not going to do that. It's a half a trillion dollars being flooded into the market for goods and services that people just don't have any interest in, right? And then you talk about ways of, of increasing taxes. Now, this is the natural course of things when you're just printing money and putting it out there. You need to get that cash back out of the system. And the primary way of doing that is either by selling bonds uh, in, in large volume to bring cash back in and have something that people can have uh, so that you know it's, it's just a, an asset sitting there. So at some point in the future, if the wealth of the nation grows and then money can be put back in, then people can come back and give their bond and be able to receive their original investment back. But at least the cash is out of the system. And there's other ways in which you know this, this can be done. But taxation is the other way. But it would have to be excessive taxation where you're taxing more than what the government needs in order to do what it does. Right? And that's not a good thing to do whenever people... Uh, there's people aren't getting that cash, right? Like I said, that cash is not going into their account uh, so that they can go in and get the cash whenever they need it. That's that's not what that cash is going to. That cash is going to people who otherwise wouldn't have gotten it because nobody's interested in what they're doing. And so nobody has an interest to want to have that relationship with them in order to build that. So they're artificially 
uh, sustaining companies that shouldn't be getting sustained. And that's what's impacting all this stuff so negatively. It's not hitting people's accounts. And so you're going to the bank to try to withdraw your money and that money that you're pulling out is now worth less than it was when you put it in. And so it, it's creating a hardship on people. And then whenever you tax those people at the same rate, all right, and that's what makes it even worse, you tax the people at the same rate or more then you are reducing the amount of real money that everybody has um, in order to try to get out of the economy the cash that you yourself put into it when you shouldn't have done it in the first place. And so none of it makes sense, right? This is also uh, bass backwards. It's ridiculous. So that's the problem. And this, this bill should not be passed. It should not be done. Uh, if we were in a place where all the money that's being spent on this was already existing cash that the government had, it wasn't printed, and it wasn't, uh, it's not adding to the deficit or taking away from the deficit. If we had no deficit, we had a surplus, and this money was being spent out of that surplus, then okay, that something different might happen, right? It's not, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to make anything better, but it would at least be real money going into it so it wouldn't have really a net impact uh, on the rest of human inter interactivity, what we call the economy. Um, and it, it would just be the redistribution of wealth. That, that, that's all it would be. It would be taking cash from people who've earned it and then give it to somebody because there's a special interest in Washington who believes money should go to that group uh, in order to do whatever. And at which point, sure, uh, that company could then spend that money uh, or not, they would spend that money on their resources, I would hope, and then on paying their employees. And of course, that would be real cash, real dollars. Um, but even then, for the goods and services that they're providing, it's a subsidy, right? So that means in order to try to get the market's attention to it, they could artificially decrease the price because they have uh, a subsidy coming in in order to sustain them. And it would flood the market with these goods. And the hope would be at some point people would do it and have an interest. And then they would go back for more. At which point the subsidy would have to stop in order for that to become a part of the natural economy. Natural interest of people wanting it and all that kind of stuff. And the question is, is that going to happen? No, no, it's not. Um, as I said before, they've made this such a big focus on green energy stuff as opposed to Get, uh, getting us the energy we need now, um, there's just no way that this bill is going to do anything. And if it increases taxes, that's not going to help anything. If it's increasing the IRS and adding like 87,000 or 83,000, whatever it is, IRS agents, you're just adding to the annual expenditures of the federal government. The, those employees aren't going anywhere. All right, They're going to be there for many more years to come. Now, of course, everything is spread out over a 10-year period, but when we're looking at the government printing that money now and, and implementing this thing now, that, that's going to have a really bad impact on the economy now. Um, and so it's, it just, it's too little too late in one circumstance. Uh, it's too much when it ain't wanted. All right? That's another reality about it. Um, it's creating... Uh, more annual expenditures for the government in the long run by increasing the count of employees, which we don't need. Um, I mean, none of these things are, are, are the way it ought to be. So we'll see. 
what happens with it this time, right? We've seen the most peculiar events, uh, economically speaking, over the last four years. Um, I don't think anybody can really predict what's going on anymore. Uh, we, we, can, we can see the indicators. We can actually make observations on real numbers and real data uh, and then look historically what ended up resulting from that. Sure, we, we can all do that. But that doesn't always play out because there's been so many other variables that just haven't existed before. And so now we're looking and analyzing an economy that nobody understands because we've never been in this situation before. It's the most bizarre thing that has ever happened. Um, an artificial shutdown, not just of one nation, but of so many nations all around the world uh, just being cut. Everybody being locked in their homes um, and that being done for a very long extended period of time. The fact that America has been able to survive this and everybody else has been able to do it is all 100% capitalism, flat out. Um, and, and technology uh, has allowed us to be able to try to find a way to make it work. But it's incredible that we've survived as long as we have. Now, uh, you know, when we did the... Um, spending package that went out to help people with, with what they were doing, you know, anytime that you're giving money directly to people, you're just giving them their tax dollars back, right? And that's, that's, let's just accept the reality of it. Now that's if you're giving the people who paid the taxes back their money. But if you're taking money from some and then giving it to others, okay, that's redistribution of wealth. That's not, that is not in any way, shape, form, or fashion, a positive thing. So when we gave everybody back their tax dollars because we forced everybody to stay at their home, there was a logical balance there, right? That was, that was a, a relationship between us and our government and saying, hey, you, you forced us to stay in our homes all this time. Many of us lost our jobs. I lost two jobs in that time period, right? I lost one job. I went hunting for another one, was able to find another one, thank God. But unfortunately, that company had to close its doors because of the lockdown stuff. So I lost two jobs in that time period. And, and thank God I was able to create another one uh, just going out and doing stuff. Um, and that was able to sustain me and my family until I got a new job, right? Um, and so, like, that made sense because it was all the government's doing and the government's like, hey, here's your tax dollars back. That's fine. That makes sense. But then we did it again. Uh, and that was not necessary. Uh, that should not have happened. Now, one could argue and reasonably so that we had to fill in the rest of the gap, so to speak, right? Um, we gave enough money, but that doesn't really compensate for the full length of time that people were forced to be at their home. So we, we filled in the rest of the gap, but I still think it was, it was too much. It, it didn't need to be done. The economy was already starting to recover. What needed to be done was get everybody out of their house and back to work, right? And then Biden comes in. He's now our new president. He didn't have to do anything. Just let the economy continue to recover, right? All that you had to do was, was get rid of the law, right? Get rid of the government's interference with everything and just allow people to go on living their life. Uh, and we, re we revived. We, we got ourselves back. And even in spite of the inflation and everything else going on, people went back to work. Now, during that time period, there was kind of a blessing in it because people realized, hey, you don't have to have both uh, husband and wife working, right? One could be home and one could be working. And you can actually have a better quality of life with your family when you do that. And a lot of people discovered that. And so many people dropped out of the workforce. And so that made it easier to fill uh, as far as everybody being employed 
we, you know, we're down really, really low. We discover that. And so again, that's another factor that's like, who, who knew, who knew that anything like that was going to happen. Right. Uh, and yet it happened, which is amazing. So these things have to all be kind of understood within that, that context, right? We really don't know. We can't really say what this bill is going to do once it gets affected. And then the cash gets, gets printed and put out there and it's supposed to be over 10 years or something like that. So it's going to be unusual. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be positive, right? Anything related to green energy is not going to come with a net positive. It just isn't. Uh, it does not have the means nor the capacity to meet the energy needs of our people. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that it's not a good uh, and noble thing to try to seek out an energy that doesn't produce an exhaust. Um, absolutely, right? You know, exhaust is a form of energy loss, I guess you could say. So we want to make sure that we're extracting every ounce of energy out of whatever resource we use. And the most effective one of that is nuclear energy right now. Um, that's where everybody should be focusing their efforts in producing energy. And that's where everybody wants to, because we all know out of the smallest amount of substance, we can get the greatest amount of energy. And energy companies know this. Those who want to be in the market producing energy for people know this, and they want to build nuclear reactors. We need to allow them to do that. Right? That's what's going to solve the energy problem. Because now we are reducing as much as possible uh, the exhaust and in some circumstances the wasted energy um, that comes from anything else. And once we have an energy grid that's strong enough to be able to have things run on electricity, which is nothing more than energy produced by some central plant somewhere, um, if, if we can make that work, then okay, the whole EV thing totally works. And there is a market for EVs. People are now, because you know, thanks to Tesla, 100%. Um, we now have vehicles that are electric vehicles that are reasonably useful uh, and, and serve a utility that the people buy vehicles for to begin with. They've got great uh, mileages that they can travel and everything else. But the thing is, our energy grid can't handle it right now. So we have to find a way to supplement, uh, not supplement, to add to the total capacity of energy, right? We need to increase the max effective capacity, not the max capacity. You can't run at max capacity all the time, right? Texas learned that. Everybody knows that. Everybody who's in business and manufacturing knows that. You can't run at max capacity for a long period of time. You hit max capacity because there's a sudden and unexpected surge that will eventually die down, right? And that's, that's the idea of hitting max capacity. But the max effective capacity is the point where you're operating in the most sustainable way possible, producing what is just what is needed and maybe a little in excess from time to time because things change and aren't 100% accurate, right? So you have to find that max effective capacity, being able to satisfy the needs, you know, 98% of the time, getting that three standard deviations from the mean and all that, right? Um, and not be doing excess and not be doing less than what is needed, right? So you want to get to max effective capacity. The only way we're going to get our energy grid, our national energy grid, to produce the amount of electricity on a regular basis that's needed to make everybody run on electric uh, vehicles is through nuclear energy. That is the only option that we have now until somebody discovers another way to extract a you know vast amount of energy out of a small substance 
with limited exhaust, with limited, uh, you know, um, byproduct, whatever you want to call it, uh, being emitted out into the environment, right? And at the end of the day, hey, we all want to do that. We all want to be good stewards of the earth. We all want to take care of this place that we call home, sure. But in the meantime, we don't have any other means. And so we can do the best that we can. We can make uh, our fuels. Uh, it's not fossil fuels. It's natural fuel. All right. Oil is a natural fuel. It's a natural waste that we then take and use for energy purposes and amongst a wide variety of other things. So we need to continue with that. Oil is always going to be around. We will always be using it because it produces so much more than just fuel alone. So we need to allow that to continue and we can find more efficient and effective ways, right? Hybrid vehicles and all that kind of stuff are great. Uh, they're, they're a good balance between the two things. Uh, and they can get really, really good miles per gallon, right? Um, it's, it's a good rating to do. But those are the things that we need to be allowing the market to do. The government just needs to be removing law, regulation, and restriction so that the market, uh, the industry, I should say, that serves the energy market uh, can be free to provide whatever form of energy it possibly can and being mindful of its exhaust and, and being aware of, of what that is doing and what that's impacting. And so whenever we do that, that's the way of resolving our current problem. And actually that, that might actually help us get out of this inflationary situation that we're in as well, because now all that cash dollars that are out there and flooded in the market will all be put into the investment into these endeavors, into the spending of these endeavors, um, and be able to create more product and service being performed uh, on a regular basis compared to the flow of cash in and out of accounts. Right now we're putting a whole lot of money in, but then that money's sitting there and ain't going anywhere, right? And that's another reason why inflation is so bad. There's just money that's out there, right? Um, things of value that are out there um, amongst other things. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with this bill that the Democrats have just passed. Um, if President Biden signs it, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts everything that we have. Hey, thanks for watching. Thank you again for watching or listening, whatever it is you're doing. Just be sure to hop on to YouTube or any of our socials, all that good stuff. Subscribe, like, follow, whatever it is you're doing or on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to follow us there and be notified whenever new videos or podcasts come out. And hey, be sure to check out thewayofwill.com for more. Appreciate it. Have a good one.